I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to episode nine of Syrupcast, Canada's only source for maple bacon flavored mobile goodness. This week, we talk Win Mobile, the CRTC questioning Rogers and Bell and Videotron over their mobile TV practices, a class action lawsuit against Bell about their prepaid policies, and why can't Shaw sell their spectrum to Rogers? That and lots of wearable stuff, talk about Windows Phone 8.1, and some sneak preview shots of the BlackBerry Passport. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Douglas Soltis. Hello, sir. Ahoy, ahoy. And the lovely Jane McIntaggart. How are you this week? Hello, I'm good. So we are approaching September, the busiest month of the year when it comes to phone releases. So we don't really have a lot of stuff to talk about in that regard this week. But we do have a lot of back-to-school stuff, a lot of regulatory stuff, and some generally Canadian goodness. So let's get started. Jane, you're on wind. Today they launched two really big uh, new products. They launched new roaming prices for their uh, domestic roaming uh, service, and they also launched a new Wind 35 plan, which gives unlimited talk, text, and data for $35 uh, in their home network. So combined, uh, those are some pretty compelling offers from what they want uh, to be Canada's fourth uh, national carrier. So we've heard a lot about this, um, you know, the the growth of the company. They're up to 750,000 subscribers across Canada. Uh, what do you think? Is this um, is this going to propel them into that uh, into that next stage? Um, possibly. I think still this is this is awesome news. I think it's great. Um, I think still their biggest problem is that. Um, I don't know if they have the infrastructure to support 700, is it 750,000? Um, I know that, I don't know if any other wind users have this problem, um, but when I'm when I'm downtown in Toronto during the day, on a weekday, so I feel like wind's peak times are now like anywhere between 9 and 5 p.m. Monday to Friday, which sucks because you can't get data, you can't get anything, so I think one... I think I, when I read, like when I was writing about this, I was like, no, like the, the the $35 plan for students. All I was thinking about as a wind customer was, this is going to make more people co- like switch to wind. And as a wind customer, I'm like, no, that's bad. Like it's going to make it worse for the rest of us. And I think that's a that's a huge problem. It's like they can lower the prices. Like their roaming prices are amazing now. They're awesome. Um, and I'm still like, this is bad news for me as a wind customer because it means there's going to be more more pressure and more weight on the network. Um, so you're actually telling me that, like in cable days of past, at peak times, the actual network slows to a crawl. And oh, yeah. During the day, like downtown Toronto, it's awful. Like, 
So yeah. just let, let's give Terrible. a bit of background here. Every carrier has a bunch of spectrum that they can uh, assign to downlink and uplink traffic. Wind has 20 megahertz uh, in, in southern Ontario. So where we are, they have 10, megabit, 10 megahertz down and 10 megahertz up in most of the GTA. And that allows them to uh, run AWS traffic um, over, over their network. AWS is great for speed, but it's not really that good for penetration. So if you're in a basement or if you're in a thick uh, old building with thick concrete walls, you may not get the best reception. But that is separate as well to uh, what we call um, tower or, or um, sort of modem. Coverage? Uh, yeah, like uh, when, when the network is rammed and there's so many people trying to connect to a single tower, that makes that tower run slower, just like any other network. The difference is that wind actually has far fewer towers than uh, Rogers, Bell, and Telus in the GTA. So even though they have the same idea of coverage, one tower probably stretches further than the equivalent uh, tower from the incumbent. So that makes a lot of sense. Now, I don't think that hundreds of thousands of people are going to automatically join wind. No, but... But it does pose a problem. Yeah, and it's one of those things that I've seen as the... Because I've been on wind for for years, and it's one of the things that I've noticed as as it's become, I guess, more popular and uh, more of a more of a valid choice for people. As like, yeah, because they're trying to be the fourth carrier, and definitely when people ask me, like, oh, what carrier you're on? Like, you know, what do you recommend? People, I know I have people moving over from Ireland, and they're saying, what do you recommend? And definitely I tell them to consider wind just because from a value point of view, that they're unbeatable. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're exactly where everyone else should be when it comes to, to their prices and what they offer, but their network just sucks during the day. The uh, the status mobile experience you can have in Toronto is trying to tether to a wind device. Yeah, Doug has seen me do that multiple times during the day, like from like a cafe. He's like, oh, are you going to tether on your, on your terrible, terrible network? Well, okay, so there's one thing to note. Wind has upgraded most of their towers in the GTA to what's called dual channel or dual carrier HSPA+. So remember back in the day, TELUS touted this double speed network before LTE existed. They said that they it, it was, it's basically using the same hardware, the same um, network technology, but it's a software update that they issued that allows them to uh, combine two cell sites or combine uh, two... Um, network bits, essentially, into a single bit so that you can get 42 megabits uh, of, of speed in the downlink. So when you're downloading something, you get 42 megabits. Now, that doesn't mean that it's always going to be that fast, but it, Wind has now doubled the potential network capacity for its customers, which is pretty good. It doesn't, it doesn't reach those LTE speeds, but Doug, would this get you to switch to, to Wind? Is there any way now that Jane has told you that you couldn't really use your phone between, you know, 7 to 7, 9 to 5 even? You can still no. use it to make phone calls and send text messages, but who does that anymore? What? Yeah. That doesn't make sense to me. I, I, so the reality of that is that I make all my phone calls and send all my text messages from my laptop. Using Roger's one so, number? Using Roger's one number or iMessage or Skype, essentially. Um, which I'm sure I'll be doing even more of with iOS 8, but um, so biased. I think for, for me, no, it's just 
an update's going to come and it's going to provide more functionality for me. But um, so for, I think for me the concern is it's kind of echoing what Jane was saying and then um, just threading it back to what we've talked about on previous podcasts is is, is this something is the the availability of this pricing something that the the big three carriers can take in, as an example of great national Canadian competition? Like, is this, is this something that can be used in their argument against the need for, you know, when getting more spectrum or, uh, you know, the need for a merger to have a fourth major because, you know, wind is able to provide, you know, like, I, I, get, I get Jane's concerns about just the, the user crunch and um, how that might affect if this becomes really popular. Um, but for me, the, the larger concern is this impeding um, the CRTC's kind of like stated goal of having a fourth major because the other carriers can point to, you know, with what Bell had been doing in um, uh, dropping the roaming fees, uh, Wynn doing something similar, offering b- better rates. Is this, is this an indication of, you know, uh, prices being driven down through competition? Well, no, because Wynn does this every year. They've done this... Uh, they do it every Christmas. They do it, yeah. yeah. They launch these $35 all-in plans every year. The difference is that this is the first time that it's been really compelling because with lower per-use roaming rates, instead of leaving Toronto to go to the cottage and having access to only edge data, which costs $1,000 a gigabyte, now you have... Um, 3G data up to 42 megabits in speed, the same as their home network, at five cents a megabyte, which is fifty dollars a gigabyte or twenty-five dollars for five hundred megs, which is exactly the same as Rogers charges on uh, pay per use uh, for their prepaid plans. And there's that's not a that, that's not a coincidence. The uh, Industry Canada um, uh, they basically. Um, they, they talked with the government and they made a change to the Telecommunications Act earlier this year as an interim stopgap towards the CRTC regulating domestic roaming rates. And what they did was they limited the price of domestic roaming uh, that incumbents can charge the new entrants to what they charge their own customers on a prepaid basis. So $25 for 500 megabytes, that's been the price Rogers has been charging their prepaid customers for like four years now. I mean, the price hasn't dropped for Rogers customers either. But what this allows people to do is leave the city and not have to worry that they're not going to be able to surf the internet. Um, and you know, fifty bucks per gig is not great, but it's certainly a hell of a lot cheaper than what they were charging before. So this is a well, huge. I feel like if they offer, because right now they have like an awesome, um, they have the U.S. unlimited roaming, and that's that's amazing. I don't. Okay, I know why, but I. I'm assuming it's because they don't have a, a great roaming partner here in Canada. But if they could offer, I feel like, an unlimited roaming package for Canada, I feel like they would be unstoppable. Well, that's the whole point, is that Rogers won't give them yeah. rates than that. So they'd be having they'd have to eat the, the difference in price. Massive, it's not yeah, tenable. It's huge. Well, and, I did the I did an interview with the CEO of Explora um, recently and uh, they offer the uh, phone rental service for people traveling to the United States, and we, we talked a bit about um, wind, um, or in our original ride to Explora, a lot of mobile SERP uh, readers uh, offering wind as a as an example of a carrier with some great U.S. roaming 
options. And uh, Floor CEO likened it to T-Mobile, where the kind of like the sub-major carriers are further incentivized to offer uh, great international roaming, simply because they're they're looking for customers in uh, metropolitan areas that when they travel, travel to other metropolitan areas, which can be outside of the country. Um, so I, I think that's, you know, wind has kind of made that a priority because they can, they can speak to that Toronto customer that's spending, you know, three weeks out of the year or four weeks out of the year in, in DC or Washington. Right. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I, I know a lot of people who spend tons of time in the States have, where they changed to that $39 unlimited U.S. plan uh, before it expired a few weeks ago. And that's a great plan because T-Mobile actually has a better... T-Mobile is a better roaming partner than Rogers, and mm -hmm. T-Mobile doesn't even exist in Canada. So they treat uh, wind like any other MVNO. So they have a ton of MVNOs in the U.S. Uh, Roam Mobility, which is one of our favorite companies to get roaming... Uh, plans from. They are an official MVNO, even though they're a Canadian company. And what it means is that they get access to premium rates from T-Mobile. And that's something that, you know, it, it's very important to note that uh, Wynn doesn't have to negotiate the same way with T-Mobile that they do with Rogers because T-Mobile wants that extra traffic on their network. They need that extra money because they, there's actually a sense of competition in the U.S., T-Mobile keeps undercutting Sprint. They keep undercutting AT&T and Verizon. Whereas until recently, Rogers, Telus, and Bell had no incentive to lower their roaming costs. Yeah, and and Wind Wind has an incentive to to seek out a partner to offer that in a compelling yeah. way, right? Um, and I sorry, I said I said Washington and DC. I meant DC and New York. But what's what's I'm more tired. What's more um, important about this change? It's a it's a first step towards an unlimited three G package in Canada, but it's also uh, a precursor to the CRTC actually ro uh, d regulating domestic roaming rates. And what we saw is that during this whole, um, the, the CRTC's investigation into domestic roaming, they discovered that the average price per megabyte that incumbents are charging uh, the new entrants for roaming is about 3.7 cents per megabyte. So we have this situation where now Wind is charging its customers five cents per megabyte based on Rogers fees. They could potentially try to get on Bell and Telus's good side and offer cheaper rates. And we, we don't know that's possible as well. Because now as we spoke a couple of weeks ago, it's no longer legal to enter into an exclusivity agreement uh, with a new entrant uh, if you're an incumbent. But we also have Quebec or Videotron on the sidelines saying, we're not going to expand nationally until the CRTC regulates domestic roaming rates to you know, 0.01 cents a megabyte or even 0.005 cents a megabyte, which is much, much cheaper. It's basically the, 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 the big difference. It's the wholesale rates that these companies have been pushing for in the cable and DSL space. They want the same offerings on mobile. And I don't think that's going to happen. The CRTC is not going to stick their foot in it that much, but they're definitely going to regulate something. So then how do you see this? That's kind of relating to what I was leading to before. How do you see this playing out with the hearings that we're going to be seeing in September? 
yeah, they're going to be asking a lot of questions. They're going to be figuring, is it good business to regulate domestic roaming if it means that the incumbents are... Um, they're they're not going to play ball in other ways, so they're going to try and uh, they're going to try and get around it in some ways, or or they're going to threaten that they're not going to expand. The the big thing right now is that the incumbents say, okay, well, if you want us to expand into rural rural areas, you have to make uh, you have to make spectrum cheaper, and you have to incentivize us. You have to tell you, you know we're basically we've already rolled out networks to 97% of the Canadian population. If you want us to roll out LTE to the remaining 3%, make it worth our while. And what it seems like is that the the CRTC is like, screw you guys. We gave The government gave you a ton of spectrum in the 90s, and you've been taking advantage of it. So now we're going to make it easier for the new entrants to kick some ass, and as they should. But... It, it means that there's going to be this tense relationship going forward between the CRTC, the, the Harper government, and the incumbents. Okay, so you just mentioned something interesting is where, you know, is the CRT, how, how far is the CRTC willing to push this um, with the understanding that if they push it too far, it might make negotiations for other things difficult? Because I think the other uh, big story that kind of popped up in the past week is the uh, the questions that, the CRTC is asking Rogers, Bell, and Videotron over uh, mobile TV. Right. Which is a big deal in Canada because this is kind of a backdoor entry into a broader argument over net neutrality, um, specifically around the multimedia services that we all probably use more than anything other than cat GIFs. <laughs> yeah, if they start regulating cat GIFs, I quit the internet. Oh, my God. Uh, specifically dog gifts. I don't care about cats. Dogs is where it's at. I know you guys are, are cat lovers and actually probably have cats very near you right now. Hot take here on Mobile Syrup. Dog gifts are where it's at. We had a great bear gift going around the channel the other day. Oh, I, I love that bear gift. Uh, I'll post it. I'll post it in the in the article if you want to see it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so this whole idea that the CRTC is kind of stepping in where they didn't used to, uh, is th- this is... A good example of this is by questioning Bell, Rogers, and Videotron over their mobile TV practices. And if you're not familiar with this, what it means is that uh, if you've heard of Bell TV, Rogers Anyplace TV, or Illico, which is Videotron's mobile TV service, right now they do not charge you based on the amount of bandwidth that you use. So if you have a 6-gig plan or a 1-gig plan, it doesn't matter. You will not exceed your monthly bandwidth allotment because they don't charge you by the megabyte. They charge you by the hour. So they... Say, for $5 a month, you get 10 hours of watching. It doesn't matter what uh, quality you watch in or what content you watch, whether it's an old SD show or a new 1080p show. They'll keep everything, 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 everything. Um, and now the CRTC is questioning, saying, well, why are you doing this for your own apps and not for apps like Netflix or YouTube? So that's the big question. Yeah, and it, so it, and it goes to... In, on the surface, it seems fairly innocuous because as, as a maybe a, a Bell customer, you'd be like, hey, this is really cool. They're giving... Um, this doesn't go against my data cap. I'm, I can just use... I can just watch TV and not worry about it. But the problem is, is that, you know, our, our data... Our wireless service providers in Canada are also our multimedia entertainment providers. So you have a situation where if there's an incentive towards... Um, people sticking with Bell because they get a better hourly show rate. Meanwhile, 
Netflix on on Bell, like Netflix is worried about having to pay Bell to be at a a standard s- speed, or worried that um, as as I did this month, oh my God, uh, just trying to go through seven seasons of The West Wing, blew through my uh, my data limit like halfway through the month. It, it pushes people towards another service that Bell offers in its portfolio, which is you know maybe not as problematic as what Netflix is facing uh, in the U.S. where they're, they're having to pay Time Warner and Comcast just to hit a certain speed ratio, but um, the end result is the same where consumers are pushed towards another service than the one they would choose if um, data speeds and data was seen as a utility rather than a, a pricing point. Right, and I, I don't... So what's interesting here is that neither Netflix nor YouTube are facilitators of live television, or at least yet. not not yet. But uh, Bell TV, more so than any other, because Bell really pushes mobile TV on their uh, monthly plans, they are incentivizing users, and they even claim that Bell has 1.2 million subscribers to mobile TV. And the CRTC is asking... Are these actual subscribers, or are they, you know, auxiliary subscribers that have been opted in when they sign up for a monthly plan? Similar to the way that Google counts their uh, Google Plus active users. You know, Google Plus has X number of million active users, but you can't actually sign in and comment on anything on YouTube without being a Google Plus user. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's very misleading. So Bell is is obviously the most egregious um, example here, but Rogers and Videotron are also saying, we just want to give consumers an opportunity to try out our services. They're not saying that we want to continue this going forward. And even today, Rogers backtracked on its p- proposal to, only, uh, t- to charge by the hour. So as of August 18th, you, which is a couple of days ago, right, yeah. They are now charging via. They are now charging by the uh, megabyte rather than the hour. So Rogers has even reversed this decision, and it it's only a matter of time before Bell and 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 Videotron do the same thing. But if they're going to cave so quickly, it speaks to the fact that they recognize that this was not exactly a kosher practice. Well, they, but it, so there's there's two sides to that, right? Because I also do buy what they're saying, and we had this in our in our write up that part of their argument is that like mobile TV is so nascent that they're just experimenting with things to onboard people to it to, to, to string some value from it. So experimenting with the pricing and options to see if people view how they're willing to pay for mobile TV differently than how they pay for, say, access to, to the Internet via their phone. Uh, I, I get that. But I'm also really happy that the CRTC is stepping in now, recognizing what's happening in the U.S. and not letting this get too far before we're having to overturn some um, pernicious practices against uh, the idea of net neutrality after the fact. I like I like that they're stepping in earlier enough to set the stage for how how Canadians will get to use uh, data and wired services. Do these do these applications come like? To get access to the Bell TV app, do you have to be a Bell a Bell TV customer, or is it any Bell mobile customer? So I feel no, like that's where it, it depends upon the app. We've written about this before, where um, 
depending on the the carrier's app or the whatever what TV app you're using, because sometimes they'll have like a Bell like TV app, but then there's like a uh, Sports Center app okay. um, with with different options. We actually have to we have to do like a we we got to do a comparison of all the the offerings on the site just to to clean it up. So it it is something where some of the apps you don't have to be a specific uh, customer like- or the carrier to use it. Um, whereas somewhere you have to use your login, but the also the experience of the streaming and what's offered for that varies greatly depending upon the app, right? There's no, this isn't, you know, a lot of the reasons why something like Netflix is so compelling is you're like, oh, hey, I'm going to give you this many dollars a month, and then you just give me all the content in this really easy way. Like, it's, it's, a, it's another example of, I think, you know, the the telecom approach to presenting entertainment information just doesn't work. Or consumers are even less willing to have, you know, a list of pricing points or options or, you know, okay, well, I use this app for this show and then I'm going to watch Hockey Night in Canada on this app. And then because I'm a customer, like, they, they want the simplicity of saying, they want, like, I pay for the utility, I want the entertainment, right. you know? Right, yeah. but- there's a difference. So Bell actually differentiates between non-TV subscribers and TV subscribers. So if you're not a Bell TV subscriber, which and by by Bell TV I mean at home satellite or Fibe, you don't get access to a number of shows. So I have a list here. You don't get access to AMC, ABC, um, Bravo, whatever. Most of the shows that most of the channels that you get access to. Um, on mobile are ones that you could already get over the air using a, a digital antenna, such yeah. as CBC, CTV, Can Roger, uh, City. Um, yeah, it's it's basically um, uh, what's it called? Uh, uh, something carrier. Um, the the word escapes me, but common carrier. So any any channel that's that's part of the common carrier is uh, is going to be available on your mobile device. If you're already a subscriber, then you can access all these other channels that you would already have access to on your cable or satellite. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the U.S. channels and all of the premium channels as well. So Bell doesn't really differentiate that here. They're, they're, they're treating everything the same. The traffic is IP traffic. It's not coming over a satellite to your phone or whatever, like they do in Korea where they have those long antennas. But what's at, what's, what's at stake here is not so much the fact that they're waving the data. It's that they're saying that uh, Rogers, Telus, Bell, Videotron, they say that they're at a spectrum crunch, that there's not enough spectrum to go around, and yet they're giving the spectrum this bandwidth away for free. They're saying, okay, we don't care how much you use as long as you pay us for the extra time. So it's $5 for 10 hours. It doesn't matter how much data you're using. The difference is that, in a way, we as paying uh cellular customers are subsidizing in a way their business model because we're paying so much extra for the ability to get these premium LTE networks that are being crunched and if you know 1.2 million was 11.2 million we have we would have a much bigger problem on our hands the fact that Bell says we only have 1.2 million mobile TV subscribers which makes it not a very popular uh, source of entertainment compared to Netflix and YouTube uh, that's fine and dandy now but in Five years, if the policy stood, that would be a whole different story. So when does the the upcoming NHL season start? Because that's when you're going to see shit hit the fan, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, that's on Rogers, yeah, and that's another point. Is that you know what what's Rogers going to do with their 5.2 billion 12 year 
exclusive uh, NHL deal, uh, they're certainly going to be pushing out tons of mobile content, and they're going to want to make it as easy for Rogers customers to to watch it on their phones and tablets. So that's a good point. We don't know how they're going to integrate it, whether it's going to be part of Sportsnet, whether it's going to be part of Rogers Anyplace TV, because Rogers Anyplace TV was the only one exempt from uh, the the bandwidth limits, but using Sportsnet, using TSN Go, using CTV Go, using uh, City TV, you know, whatever, uh, those weren't exempt. So how does that work? Okay, so the, the NHL season starts this year, uh, Wednesday, October 8th, game between the Habs and the Leafs, 7 o'clock. So I'm Suck guessing it. by October uh, 14th, <laughs> we'll, we'll have a really good idea of how um, excited Canadian customers are to to pay for whatever way Rogers is going to present that content, right? I'm actually kind of excited about it. I think, even though I'm not a huge hockey fan, I think that it's a, it's Rogers' big chance to really show that you know Guy Lawrence and Rogers 3.0 is turning the company around and that they're actually using this huge deal for good rather than evil. If it turns out to be evil, you know I'll eat my shorts. But I really hope that they don't make it really hard to, to get good NHL content. But if this investigation... So, yeah, I'm just, I'm just reading the comments on this, and it seems like a significant portion of, of the comments on this post are saying, like, if this ha- like if CRTC is basically says that they can't do this and, you know, decides they're not playing fair, Rogers and Bell are just going to charge customers for it. And isn't that almost worse? And it's like, well, now you have to pay for this. Even though you're a Rogers Cable customer, you're a Rogers phone customer you have to pay for the privilege of, of using this app on your phone. But that's no different. That- it's, not, it's not a matter of who owns the content. Um, sorry, it's not a matter of who owns the network. It's who, it's who own the, owns the content. So Rogers owns the licensing, but they can license, um, they can sub-license the content to TELUS and Bell if they want to. You know, Bell owns CTV, but you can get CTV streaming on your Rogers Anyplace TV app. Um, Videotron owns Sun, but you can get Sun Network on your Rogers and, and Bell TV app, right? Like, it's it's no different. Um, right. So it'll be, I mean, yes, they'll charge Bell a lot of money for streaming, and they may pass that, that cost along to the customers, but that's Rogers' whole point. If you want the best NHL experience, change to Rogers. We're going to make it great for you. It's It's almost as if it becomes really problematic when three companies in Canada own all the sports teams and the TV channels and the digital data infrastructure at the same time. It's almost as if that is something that creates problematic situations for consumers. I, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just, you know what is, it just, yeah, just kind of came to me. I can't imagine a world like that existing. Although, to be fair, um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shout out to The Verge here because uh, our, our commenters love it when we do that. Shout out to The Verge, one of our favorite sites. Um, they, they have, they've been covering this Comcast bullshit, essentially, uh, since Ryan Block called into Comcast and had that awesome, terrible phone call. And if you haven't heard this uh, customer service call, uh, just look up Ryan Block Comcast on Google and you'll find it. It is amazing. It's eight minutes of a Comcast retentions employees trying his best to prevent this guy from canceling his service. It's the most in in control of his emotions I've ever seen Ryan Block be, but that's that's the point. (laughs) It was, well, I mean, it was done for for us, not him, but I mean, it was essentially 
proving why these huge cable monoliths should not be allowed to run monopolies in their respective, um, you know, service areas. And Comcast wants to buy, uh, is it Time Warner in uh, in certain parts of the country? Um, and then they'll divest part of their service to Charter. Anyway, they're worse than we are. I mean, they have monopolies upon monopolies, and Comcast is one of the hated, most hated companies in the world. Uh, you know, Rogers gets a lot of flack, so does Bell, and sometimes Telus. But I think compared to Comcast and Verizon, we have it pretty good here. So again, we're running we're running the false argument, like comparing ourselves to the U.S. is a straw man because no one wants the U.S. experience. Right, except the Canadian carriers. They say that we're cheaper than the U.S. and uses they use the U.S. as a benchmark for pricing which is not a good thing, but we digress. Uh, one other part of this week's CRTC um, equation is, uh, well, it's not really a CRTC equation, but it's, it's, a, it's a legal equation. The, uh, the Ontario um, Supreme Court of Justice has allowed a $100 million class action lawsuit against Bell's prepaid policies. Now, we're gonna, not going to spend a long time talking about this, but two years ago a Bell prepaid customer complained that that uh, Virgin, which is Bell's subsidiary, um, basically canceled out her prepaid balance. And uh, she bought a, a Bell prepaid card that said in the fine print that balance, if unused, expires after 30 days. She's arguing that they're gift cards, and under the Competition Act, gift cards are not allowed to expire. Now, it makes sense to me. Does it make sense to you? They shouldn't expire. You just you spent thirty dollars. Why would it expire after thirty days? That makes no sense. Jane. Um. Yeah. No. I'm just. I'm just looking at this and catching up. So it's. Is it a? What's the difference between the gift card and the top of card? Is it like a, a Bell gift card or? Like well, I'm, I'm just trying point. to figure out what I'm just trying to figure out what the difference between the top of card and the gift card is. The name. Oh. Exactly. What so can she's... that card? Yeah. Okay. Doesn't say can the card be used to buy anything else or? No. But under the um, Ontario Competition Act, gift cards are not allowed to expire. Bell is arguing that it's not a gift card, that it's, it's, a, it's specific to its, its services, and that you have a choice of buying a lower value, say $35, and having it expire after 30 days, or buying a higher value and having it expire after a year. Now, this is not dissimilar to most other companies. It's just that she's picking on Bell for this. So I don't I know. I feel like if they have a gift card that's specifically and like limited to to buying top ups, then I feel like she's totally right. I feel like that shouldn't expire. I think that's. I think yeah, I think it's a, a dick move for them to to wipe out that balance and say that oh well technically it's a top up card when it's it's very clearly a different product. But if you yeah, it's like if you went like, to Shoppers and bought Xbox points. And yeah, and I feel like they, they, I don't know what their motivation is for offering both a top-up, like an option for top-up versus, like as well as a gift card, but I feel like if they're going to, I feel like it's kind of like a money grab to be like, oh, you can either buy like this in certain denominations, or you can buy, you know, whatever, is it, like I don't know if it's how it works, is it whatever value you want with gift card? Is yeah, that what people so, do it? Uh, well, exactly, I mean, you buy, you. It's, it's just convenience, right? Yeah, so, so I don't know why they're... If they're going to do that, then I see no problem with customers taking advantage of it and saying, hey, I'm going to buy, buy a gift card that I can kind of just load up and like chip it's away. Not, it's not torture. 
It's enhanced interrogation. It's definition without distinction to bypass law. Okay, so somebody makes a good point. The a, a commenter on the art on the article, Pierre, he says prepaid cards, prepaid cards when purchased don't expire. The number on your receipt is valid until it's applied to your account. It's only once that balance is in your account that it has an expiry date. That's how Bell gets around this argument that it's not a gift card. Because when you have it in your possession and it's unactive or it's inactive, oh, yeah. it doesn't expire. It never expires. But the problem is if you buy a $100 gift card and you use $90 of it, there's $10 left and you can use it whenever. Um, but when you buy a Bell prepaid card, you can't apply only only like $50 yeah. of, an, of $100 of the card. You have to apply it all to your account at once. So when um, you can't use it and it's useless... It's, but they, it's they argue through. that it costs money for them to maintain your account, so that's why they have it expire. Oh, my God. Okay. That is gross. It costs money. So she, a lot of people think that she's going to win this case. I mean, it's it basically um, it went through the appeal court. Bell uh, appealed the, the action, and they lost. So now it's gone up to the Supreme Court. And uh, I believe the court date begins sometime next year. Uh, so we'll argue. We'll come back to it uh, when it's when it's gone to trial. But um, or do these things even go to trial? I guess they do. There's no. It's it's a civil case. So I don't I don't know enough about this. But uh, maybe maybe we can get Neelay Patel on here next week to talk about it. What do you think, Doug? <laughs> about Canadian law, I think he'd love to. Yeah. Um, he'd, he'd are we gonna talk about stuff. Are we gonna talk about Shaw trying to sell AWS Spectrum to Rogers? Denied. That's they don't think they're going to. They think that they're. They think they're good. They think they're. They think they'll be okay. No, they're not. They're yeah, not going to be okay. I think they're. I think they, they're going to tell them to screw off and that they can't do it. Well, they they told mobile. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box, and if you break it down, it really comes out to two dollars a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. They told Telus to screw off with Mobilicity. I don't see any difference here between Mobilicity and Telus and, and Shaw. And uh, because the government considers Shaw a new entrant in the mobile space, which is a huge distinction, right? So, um, but it's more it's more who they're transferring to, right? It's going to be the, that who they're transferring to has to be um, a new entrant. And well, they that's want exactly it. That they, they don't want to, to us. They don't want to allow yeah. Rogers to have undue concentration of spectrum. So they basically Shaw has this option where they they bought um, AWS spectrum in the 2008 auction and they never used it because they decided to go with a Wi-Fi network instead of mobile instead of LTE. So now they they got, went into uh, a plan to sell the unused spectrum to Rogers, um, but the government's made it very clear that this isn't going to happen. So there's nothing they're going there's there's nothing they can do. Period. Denied. Denied. So, uh, yeah, let's let's move on. 
let's uh, let's talk about um, one of the cooler articles that none of us wrote this week. Uh, this was um, Smart Glasses Get Smarter with Mio. Mio? Mayo. Mayo. It's got to be Mayo. Shout out Alex Kinsella. Shout out Tom Emmerich. So Tom Emmerich wrote this awesome article about how the Mayo and a bunch of different smart glasses have combined to be amazing. So, uh, Doug, why don't you take us through this? It's the future. <laughs> we, were t- we were talking before about, um, was it like three or four weeks ago, about how the Mayo is basically the power glove without the 80s rad. And totally. this is just, uh, I don't know, the extension of that. So, um, yeah, where, where do we want to, like, what was the most exciting thing that you saw on this piece in terms of working with the smart glasses? Oh, the, the Recon Jet. Like, totally yeah. <laughs> the best example of anything I've... So the Jet is also another Canadian... The Recon Instruments is a Canadian company based in Vancouver. They're making this amazing heads-up display, sort of like Google Glass, but a little bit more specialized for athletes and, and uh, different verticals. And it's basically a pair of sunglasses that has a heads-up display that allows you to connect to a smartphone. It also allows you to see how fast you're going, how many calories you've burned, and it has an API so that developers can can connect to it. Uh, but if you haven't seen it, uh, this video just showing a bike messenger using um, Mio or Mayo and uh, the Jet is phenomenal. Yeah. It shows you. Wasn't a fan of the, the whole bike messenger angle, but it does. I think it's it's probably the best way to show just the need for the use case of just a badass HUD. <laughs> like, right, so um, if he wants to, to change something or, or activate something on the, on the uh, jet, he can just move his arm left and right, which is yeah. way easier than touching the uh, really small touchpad on the side of the jet. So yeah. that's really what it comes down to. So it's, it's, it's uh, mixing Milo's capability for having kind of like gesture enabled so no need to kind of like look down and see your hands gestures with uh, information rich HUD displays where you don't have to be distracted from your like other sensory perception. So I guess the bike messenger example was probably the best because it's, it's probably the only one where you're doing something at speed you need information and full control of your appendages that isn't like a military example, Um, but it's it's just, like, this is, like, forget mobile, this, the integration of hardware services like this is, like, the coolest thing that will be happening within the next five years. Like, seeing these things Voltron together is very exciting. So, I also think that it speaks a lot to how Google really missed the mark when it came to Glass, because Google Glass relies on voice, and as we've learned from Google now with the Android Wear platform and with smartphones in general, it's really kind of awkward to use your voice in public places. So I don't think it's going to be just as awkward, though, to be, like, waiting around. I don't, no. I think you I can make like the gestures as like, as you want. I think it's perfect for people like bike messengers where they're, they're, they're performing a task and need that kind of... They need, that, they need to be able to do that, but I think, yeah... I don't know, I remember walking down the street in, in San Francisco using Android Wear for the first time and just, like, shouting into my wrist, and I'm sure I look like a moron. Oh, you I, did. I feel I like, saw you. I feel, like, I feel like this is not going to be... It's going to be worse. Like, people what? are just going to be, like... 
The, the difference, though, is that Google Glass is a consumer-focused product, whereas a lot of the stuff that Maya's working yeah. with is more vertical-specific. So you might not, and like, I don't know, Tom might be the wrong guy to write about this stuff because he's always going to like fashion shows where he's wearing like LED ties and stuff. But it's more, these are more for people looking to perform specific Yeah, and that's functions. what I'm saying. So like, like, for, for functions like this, it's awesome. But then people like me who are like, oh my god, like, I just, I just want to be able to do that even though I know that it will look so silly. And you're just going to have a million people like me just bashing into people walking down the road because they think they need to be able to do this while they're crossing the street. So just to your point, I don't think that Google Glass was developed specifically for consumers. Uh, yesterday, a company called Wearable Intelligence raised $8.4 million to create a vertical uh, apps for a specific vertical uh, in the hospital space uh, for Google Glass users uh, and doctors. So, for example, doctors need... Uh, patient information when they walk into a room, it combines the GPS of the Google Glass with the ability to see a patient's uh, history and, and, and you know medication and stuff like that uh, without needing to open a bunch of files and sit down at a computer. So it makes things a lot more personable, hopefully. I mean, that's the idea. But well, it's, sorry, it's, it's not that Google Glass is only for consumers, but I think Google expects it to be... Uh, and a consumer device in the way that smartphones are for all consumers and then can be used for advanced things, where I, I think with, like, the Mayo and some of this other stuff, you know, we talked about this before, you're going to have to have a very specific reason or two to have uh, a Mayo. It's yeah. not going to be something that everyone buys, but the people that do own them are going to use the hell out of them, and it's going to make their, um, their jobs easier. So let's talk about... Um... Let's talk about Lumia. We got some uh, we got some hate in the Oh, we did. Comments. Not hate, not hate, just more okay, no, what? constructive like shout out Jeff Rosard. Yeah. About what? What uh, Windows is like, phone. yeah. Windows phone. They don't know why we're being so hard on on Windows phone. Cuz we let me pull it up. Cuz it deserves it? No. No. See that that's those kinds of statements then. Is, is because we were less than specific about the frustrations that we have with Windows Phone in terms of the, the level of polish, which I think is yeah. important because um, now we have, I guess, is it, can we say like a full rollout of 8.1 across Canada? Uh, I don't know. If, yeah, okay. And definitely all the, all the high-end Lumia devices now have it, right? Okay, so any device that people are probably still using right. now has 8.1. Well, well, no, that's not true. To go uh, back to our previous discussion last week about most people who have Windows phone devices that have, like, a budget phone, I feel. I feel like the, the number of people spending, you know, hundreds and hundreds of dollars on a smartphone, are the majority of them are not buying, like, the Lumia 1020, which is their highest-end device. I feel like a lot of them are buying, like, the budget phones. Anyway, that's not important. Um, all the high-end phones have it. But the the reason that we're hard on Windows Phone is not because Windows Phone is a bad OS or that even, like, especially now, it lacks the features that iOS and Android does. It's that the app ecosystem, which, you know, is becoming more and more important, is just not there. And I would happily... I don't Snapchat. I don't need my Snapchat, I need, but I do need my Slack, you know. I do need my my TD Canada Trust. I do need, 
you know, certain things. I do need my Twitter to have the same features as my iOS and Android versions, right? So we have a situation where Instagram, even though now it is on Windows Phone, doesn't even have video support. Or, it? No, it doesn't even have. It doesn't have the DM feature. It doesn't have uh, video support, right? It's been in beta since it launched. It hasn't really been updated. It's very buggy. So you know, people can defend Windows Phone all all they want, but they know just as well as we do that there are very few first-party solutions for the big apps that everybody relies on. But I don't think that was his solutions. point. His point was we were saying you know it's it's not as nice to use like. When we went back to what we were talking about, like, you know, features that are, are well implemented versus poorly implemented. Okay, so... He said, so he wasn't talking about... We, I don't think he would He would disagree. I don't think Jeff would disagree that... Well, so, I, so one of the things that we... that I was thinking about when we talked about this, beyond just the frustration with, like, app updates and issues with Phone Store just never working, um, and that's also, like, a Windows 8 thing, not just a uh, Windows Phone 8... But uh, notifications were like essentially broken on Windows Phone. They didn't. They weren't now. useful. Right. So now they have a notification center. It's called Action, Action center. center. It's actually pretty good. Um, you know, let, let's let's talk about that because I want to address what we talked about last week. I don't wholly disagree with you that I, I don't wholly agree with you that it's it's a bad experience throughout. But at the same time, um, I've been a Google user for a long time, and it, it does depend on what ecosystem you're a part of. So if you're using an iCloud you know, backend, obviously you're going to want to use Apple. But obviously Apple begets iCloud rather than I- iCloud begets Apple. But more so, Google users will have a hard time transitioning over to Windows Phone. If you're already entrenched in the Microsoft world, if you use Outlook, if you use OneNote, if you use OneDrive, if you have a bunch of, um, you know, if you use Skype, all, you know, all that stuff, then Windows Phone will be a lot more attractive to you. But I think that the number of people who use those services is far fewer. And the difference is that Google goes out of its way to have a great experience on iOS. Google does not give a shit about Windows Phone because mm-hmm. they don't think the market is big enough. That yeah. is something to be um, that, that's something to take into account when you when you consider a, a Windows Phone today. Yeah, and like you said, like the Instagram app has been in beta since since it launched. It still doesn't have it still doesn't have functionality for like the DM part or like the video support. So that's a problem with actually Instagram. That's like a, a problem with Instagram not giving enough of a shit about Windows Phone users. Yeah, because it's, it's their third or fourth string development team. Like the same with we covered the Facebook just got um, the ability to send voice messages, which has been uh, like a core feature of all the other platforms for a while, right? So. Um, and, and Jay, I think you were even talking last week about the reason why you're going to stick with Nexus devices is just because of your fear of jumping off to another platform because you're just, you know, yeah, you rather he, die for the Googs. Yeah, and that's the, the same commenter said that. He said, I think you guys might just be used to the way those work, but that doesn't make them more intuitive. And I think he, he has a point to an extent, but I'm going to say that, this, that that's Microsoft's fault because they were so late to the game anyway that people had already, you know, made their choice on iOS or Android and... To, it, you're going to have to offer an extremely smooth and intuitive experience to combat, like to get people to switch. And I don't think that even if you, even iOS is, is an amazing experience, I think, and I'm still not ready to switch. So I think to an extent it is a case of we're, we're used to what we have now. And No, I understand the point. So Jeff Broussard, shout out again. And we're not, we're not, we're not, uh, we're not throwing shade your way, buddy. 
I love the participation, and your uh, comment icon is one of the greatest I've ever seen in my entire life. So <laughs> keep doing that. Um, but it, it was more the idea of you know, you know, you can go you can go pick up an Android phone, and it's crazy to figure out how to add a keyboard. Or we're not talking about like not being able to find specific features or a different way of doing things. We're talking about notifications were broken. Apps do not have feature parity. Things crash. It's wonky. Like specific specific things fundamental to the platform. So you know, I'm. It's it's not it's not that we're. There are reasons why we don't become more familiar with it because it's not providing what we need. Now, uh, Daniel, we're making a really good point about you know the Google services, and you know we're mostly all Google people, even though. I'm a, for a hardware more of an iOS user, and that causes me consternation. I think that one of the benefits of like Windows Phone for some people is, if you're the person that's still rocking a Windows PC, you know that's where there's a market for you to get a Windows Phone device because you you might have there's there's some good hooks there between um, the contacts and things that you'd have on your Windows PC, or maybe you have a Hotmail or an Outlook.com account. Like there, you know, Microsoft at least has that a little bit of a broader stack than say someone like BlackBerry to be able to connect those services. No, but um, hang on. That, that's that's not even true anymore. And I I agree with you that ostensibly or on surface having a Windows PC and a Windows Phone, you you have that you know, qu- well, yeah, Surface. <laughs> uh, you know, while you're crumping using your Surface, that you know you have a quote unquote better experience. But that's not true because Microsoft understands that it has four percent market share in the smartphone space. So it's now launching its services on iOS and Android. I can hear myself. Can you hear me? We can hear you. Okay, sorry, I can hear myself in somebody else's earphones. Um, So, I mean, that's really important to note, is that Microsoft just released a huge OneNote update for uh, Android. It's coming with, it has great Outlook apps for iOS and Android. You can sync your contacts if you're if, if you're into that, so you know these are things that are important to to kind of keep in mind that even Microsoft understands that Windows Phone needs work, but it's working yeah. hard, and I I acknowledge that, and I think it's a way better product than it was six months ago. Just the apps, yes. period. I'm sorry, they do. Yeah, but you know, so I'm I'm. It's been a while. Um, I just tossed uh, a Lumia Jane's way, and there's a device that I'm excited to use. To get reacquainted with Windows Phone 8.1 again, and that is the HTC One M8 for Windows Phone, which should have been called the HTC 8 M8, because that would have been cool. W or anything but the HTC M8 for Windows or with Windows or whatever it's called. No, yes. I don't think it's called well, the HTC One M8. H- oh come on, let's. Oh uh, fuck let's off. Let's not get. You know, you were the reason. Someone else in the comments, shout out to, let me see, Evan, Evan Hindra told me, was it Evan that said, I don't know who was Evan, anyway, someone told me that I shouldn't hold back my Irish accent, and it's people like you who forced me to do that. People well, like I, you. I, I, I tease because I love. I, I, I love you feel like love. I do. I love. I love your accent. I also. I'm jealous of it because I used to have a an accent of my own that I gave up. I know. I think yeah. It was not a Rogers employee that said it. Right. Um, so you were the reason our viewership has not quadrupled yeah. due to my accent. Oh shit. Okay. So, so the, the HTC One M8 with Windows Phone 8.1. Um, 
is a device. First of all, I like HTC's hardware. Um, yes. I like looking at Windows Phone, not on a Lumia, because I'm just getting really tired of the the hard taffy aesthetic. Um, I'm gonna try this device when it comes out. I'm gonna spend some time with it and see see if I can. Hopefully it will. Sorry. Well, so it's a it's a quote unquote Verizon exclusive for five days or whatever, and then it's Is coming it to days? other carriers. No, it's it's well. So the, the yeah, story, your point is that there's only four months left in the year, so how can it be an exclusive? But yeah, if it's okay, but exclusive. Douglas, if it was the iPhone six and it was a Rogers exclusive at launch, would you consider it an exclusive if it, if it wasn't coming anywhere else for like you know? 90 days or, or like three months, like four months. Would you well, say that it's not an exclusive? You would just say that like they just get it later than everyone else. No, if it's if it's an exclusive for a quarter and like one of the biggest quarters of the year for people to buy devices, yeah, that's a big deal. But yeah. I think the story is the other uh, U.S. carriers are getting the device before the end of the year. So if this thing launches in September and other people are getting it before the year is up, that's not even a quarter. That's like a month and a half. So like, great exclusive. I'm sure someone spent too much money on that. Um, regardless, if this if this device does come to Canada, I hope it does, because I really want to see, I want to see non, uh, now Microsoft hardware running Windows Phone. I want to see if that can be my jam. I want to see if people it, respond the, to that. Was it the X8? Like, two years ago. That was, that was non, non, Nokia, non Microsoft hardware running this Windows Phone. Oh, 8X. The, the, the 8X, um, not the, the yeah. X8, yeah. That was actually yeah. a nice phone. It was. It was a lovely phone. There you um, go, Doug. So, so excited. I would like to see the uh, M8 for Windows here. I, I mean, I love the M8. I think it's my favorite uh, Android phone. I also like that they kept it very much an HTC phone. They have a, a bl- they have Blink Feed. They have yeah. the dual camera set up. Why don't they have Zoe? That's what I want to know. They might. I mean, they might come out with Zoe. Um, it's probably that's, just that's, that's weird though, because they made such a huge deal with Zoe um, at the the M8 launch, and they're they're going on about how it's Blink Feed and, and all that kind of stuff. But it's just weird that it's not there. You think no. they could have pulled that one out of the bag? But you have to remember that it took them six months to bring Zoe to Android. Yeah, but presumably they knew they were making a Windows Phone version of the M8. Wouldn't like what were you know? I don't know. I just want to know where their priorities are. Making They're Zoe for a Android. phone that is not HTC branded, or making Zoe for a phone that is HTC branded. H. H. Well, um, I don't know. <laughs> no, you go. Uh, yeah, I think they might want to see if the thing sells first, or it might come in a in a future update, um, or it might just be there. Like, so they they confirmed it, but there's going to be an event soon where we'll be able to play with this. So they might just have it ready in there, right? Um, but regardless, so do we want to talk at all about, just because we talked about whether or not this device is coming to Canada, I know a lot of the time we see in the comments Canadian carriers are more apt to cherry-pick which specific either Windows Phone or Lumia devices kind of arrive. And do you think that this is something that Canadian carriers would be willing to pick up? And if so, whom? Well, no. So that that's the other thing is that I remember when we came, we went to New York last year for the Moto X launch, and everybody went crazy because it was a Rogers exclusive. But what what uh, 
what Motorola told me is that it wasn't the fact that they didn't shop it around to Bell and Telus. It was just that nobody else wanted it. Rogers was the only company willing to put marketing dollars behind it, and that's that's really the most important thing to note. So I think it's similar here. They probably shopped it around, and somebody said, okay, well, Nokia is really the only company that has any any cachet in the Windows Phone market, and we just don't think it'll sell. It may come here. It may come when it's cheaper, and you know, there's enough volume that HTC can say, okay, well, we'll give it to you for 500 bucks per unit instead of 700 bucks per unit. Oh, but, my God. Uh, I would never... Sorry. <laughs> I just... Like, you keep talking about who you know who's going to buy and is it going to sell, and I know we talked about this last week, but no, it's not. Like, this is... Uh, I think the price, whatever they price it up for, for off-contract is going to be exorbitant. Well, it's always exorbitant because that's the price of a flagship not phone. if you buy a Nexus phone... But that's that's not even true because Google is subsidizing the cost of the Nexus phone. It's not that the Nexus phone is. But I'm talking about buying it off contract. Right. And you don't sign a contract with Google. You don't, but you do sign a con. I mean, the Nexus Five costs five hundred dollars uh, at the carriers because they spent more to buy it from LG directly. Google probably got a deal with LG because of the shared marketing costs and stuff that allowed... But it's still off-contract off and, and considerably cheaper. Sure, right. And, and we've seen a lot of cheaper devices coming out as a result of that. So the Moto X uh, yeah. was only 400 bucks outright. The Moto G was only 225 bucks outright. There was a big market... Regardless, I think that whatever they price this at, it's, it's going to be a, like a Windows Phone 8, uh, yeah goes back to what I said. I think people buy Windows Phone devices are people who are looking for, for budget phones. Are you getting hot and bothered talking about Windows Phone? No, I'm getting because so there's no air in my apartment. It's just sad because we said this last week that if HTC is having a hard time selling great Android hardware or well-made Android hardware, they're not going to have an easier time selling no. the same version of the device for Windows Phone. The only, the only market that I could see for this are those people that are interested in Windows Phone and just, for the life of them, don't want to use the Lumia. It's just too weird. It's, it's just too outside their expectations. So, you know, I, now I don't think that's a huge market, but it's, it's, I don't know, it's just sad. Every time we talk about HTC, it's just Gary Oldman sad. Agreed. Although Gary Oldman has the best accent in the world. Oh, you're not going to so slag good. him off, but he says H2. He does. That's why I loved it. I, I was I was actually being serious. Um, I, I tease because I love. So let's talk about another phone that we want to, to know whether people are going to buy, the, the BlackBerry Passport. We've spoken about this a lot over the last couple of months. We've seen leaked photos of it. We've seen leaked videos of it. But now we actually got to see it ourselves, and we got mm -hmm. some videos, uh, some photos with it, and we can now confirm that it, is going to launch on TELUS. So uh, this is going to be one of the bigger releases in Canada, at least, in the next month. And we also saw a leaked video of it uh, from Carphone Warehouse, which is a big UK retailer. Uh, so what, what do you guys think? I mean, now that we're almost at the point where it's going to be launched, is, is this still sort of an oddity to you? Is it becoming more attractive? Is it becoming less attractive, knowing that it's going to be offered with Android apps instead of BlackBerry OS apps? It's weird. I think I, I know that I was really super critical of the fact that BlackBerry, when they first talked about this device, I think you and I counted, Daniel, where they were like, they were blogging about it like every third or fourth day. 
after it, they would like put up a new blog post on the BlackBerry blog about this phone. And I was like, we get it. Like, it's not even out yet. Like, shut up, stop. But I think having seen it like so much of it over the last few weeks, like I'm kind of getting used to how it looks. It doesn't look so weird to me anymore. So I wonder if that's their ploy, is that like people people won't be so like weirded out by it when they see it that it's not gonna be weird. Because I'm looking at it now and it doesn't look half as weird as as I used to think it did. Yeah, I um, think that's the case with any phone, but I do think it's a very strange looking device. It's super yeah, it's not wild. looking. Yeah, and it's it's too bad that he isn't Ian isn't here to talk about it because I remember he was saying that you know he really thought that the the trackpad keyboard was pretty cool, but that the keys yeah. were a little not so good, and that it you, you got a two handed. This is not a one hander device. Which yeah, um, and he also said that because he's got an iPhone 5s, is it? And he yes. or an iPhone 5, and he he uses his phone with one hand, but he said he automatically just use it with two hands, and it wasn't a, a case of, oh, I can't use this in one hand. It was just something that he did intuitively. He mm. just used two hands straight away. So I hope that means that it's, it's comfortable to use. It's not not awkward. Yeah. But and Ian's got little baby hands. He does. Even than the mine. delicate hands so of a lady. If he, can, if he can hold on to that sucker, then there's a good chance that I can... I don't know. I'm. This is another device that I'm interested in trying. The um, Amazon App Store gives it a good shot in terms of apps and yeah I'm gonna yeah let's just see how it goes I yeah. gotta, you gotta you gotta try it man it's the most interesting piece of hardware coming out like what other piece of what other phone is any manufacturer making where you're like whoa I gotta see what that's like yeah one of, one of the commenters said that it looks like a pop tart and it totally does okay it's you're basically calling it the equivalent of a vaudeville act it's like it's yeah, interesting. Yeah, oh yeah, it's a total freak show. Like you know? it's a sideshow. Like I just want to have it just so I can be like, look at my phone. It's so weird looking. Right, I but I think that there are far more interesting phones coming out this year than the BlackBerry Passport. I mean, I I can't wait to try it, but at the like same what? time, what? What are you looking forward to? Like the iPhone six. Like no, that's the, the last iPhone. It's not exactly the that... one. Not exactly. It's like the last okay. one, but like slightly different. Or they're gonna make it look like the first iPhone, and it's not gonna be like. The new iPhone will look more similar to the last one than this does to any other device. Like this, this is unlike anything that we've seen before. No, just because it looks different doesn't mean it's more interesting. It's what I can do with the phone that, that interests me. So you're care. saying you're excited by iOS 8? I'm excited by the potential hardware improvements that they have on the iPhone 5 uh, 6. I think that you know the Galaxy Note 4 is also going to be a very interesting phone. I think that the Moto X Plus 1 is going to be a very interesting phone. I think... You think the Moto X Plus One is going to be interesting? Yes, I absolutely do. I think that it's going to be, if if they have anything close to what uh, the Moto X had last year with uh, active notifications and and the uh, touchless controls, then I think it's going to be a huge uh, a, a huge piece of technology. I, well, I geek just, out over that stuff. You're just going to be excited for all of September. That's what you're going to be. I'm going to. I'm going <laughs> to. Well, I'm also going to be traveling from all of September, basically. Oh yeah. So yeah, I, anybody, uh, if any of the podcasts in September, Daniel seems kind of bitchy or crabby. It's because he's going to be perpetually on like this like international waters time zone where he doesn't know what time it is. More bitchy and crabby than usual. Let's yeah. Be, let's be honest. More unreasonable than usual. Oh come on! <laughs> you just insulted Ian's hands while he wasn't here. Who's you guys, I have a bone to pick. You guys, last week, 
my camera cut out, my audio cut out, and I came back and you guys said you were saying nice things about me, and you weren't. You were just slagging me off for going on holidays. No, that's, well, I think you I know, that's because you were jealous. saying terrible things about you. What? I think I specifically said I was saying terrible things about you. Yeah, Daniel lied right to my face, though. No, to your camera. Anyway, but, but let's, okay. let's talk about um, the last topic of the day. Doug, what, why don't you tell us about BlackBerry Technology Solutions and why this is important for the company? It's important for the company because it's... I, 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 we keep seeing it's like the final phase of the restructuring, but it's, it's them arranging... John Chen's about a portfolio, and this is the long-term piece of that of BlackBerry's portfolio. So this this includes Qnix, it includes the cloud business division, all their Internet of Things, Project Ion stuff. Um, it's being run by the former CTO of Sony Ericsson. Um, Sandeep, right? Yes. I'm not even going to take a stab at that last name. So you can read it. You can read our post. It's 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 um it's them trying to kind of in a, in a way that they were that they were doing with BBM before Chen, but in a much smarter way, position packages within the company which have very clear responsibilities. Um, now, some might say that that also makes it easier to um, derive evaluation of um, BlackBerry's worth piece by piece. So if you know, God forbid, the mobile gods forbid, uh, they do get stripped and sold for parts. It's very easy to separate the high-performing or the high-value pieces of the portfolio from the low-performing pieces. Um, but it's it's great. This uh, the a, a part of a company that has the the kind of like the long-term swing now has a very senior and experienced person. Um, and he has 73 patents himself, which I find interesting. Wasn't, was he president of... Um, yeah, he was like... Ericsson was, Mobile. Yeah, but he was there when they split, like when they were stripped apart from Sony, right? Um, Shinikashi was. I don't know, but what I do know is that I think that you're right, Doug. This is them putting their, putting their ducks in a row, but I also think that it makes for a much more compelling place when all of BlackBerry's really smart engineers and smart R&D people and uh, a lot of their sort of Waterloo-based product managers are in one building talking about really smart things that have nothing to do with the enterprise and have nothing to do with handsets. This is an opportunity for them to become like IBM in many ways, uh, and, and I think that's a, that's, that's a huge opportunity because there's well, a lot of... Necessarily- Nothing to do with the enterprise, but yeah. yeah. Um, and a lot, I think a lot of these guys are actually based out of Ottawa because that's where a lot of the uh, Kunix people are. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. Like I think this, this you could call this like this is a little bit like ATAP. This is BlackBerry's ATAP. Right, which is great because that's what they need. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Paratech is the company that created the great audio. Uh, the audio chips inside the, the Z30, which provided some of the best uh, audio of any smartphone we've heard. Qnix is powering AirPlay or Air um, CarPlay, Apple's CarPlay, which is awesome. So yeah, it'll be be good. Um, I think we're we're sort of petering out, so let's uh, let's let's wrap this up. 
you guys want to want to close with anything? You excited about anything for the next couple of weeks? Um, uh, I'm afraid it's going to be a lot of new phones. I don't know. I'm afraid. Yeah. You're afraid. Yeah, there's going to be, be so much happening in September that I'm going to be on overload. I think I'm probably going to buy way more, like more shit that I don't need because I'm going to be just on a complete overload of, of new new stuff. Oh, that's so the fun I'm part. Feel compelled to buy some of it. That's 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 my um, favorite part of the year. What are you excited about? Apart um, from iOS 8 and the Moto X Plus One. Drinking a beer. Are you doing that right now, Daniel? Oh, I finished mine. Yeah. Gonna that's get that's what one. Daniel means when the podcast is petering out is that his beer's done. He's um, done. He needs to pee. <laughs> I think I think it's really interesting that I want to go back and see. So we've had two podcasts now. Last week specifically, which is really hardware focused. And then the second half of this podcast is pretty hardware focused, looking to maybe like second tier hardware. Um, what, how our anticipation of these devices and our expectations of what's going to be delivered are different a month from now when we have the full announcements, uh, or at least some or most of the devices in our hands. And you know, this is the big, this is you know, Christmas in September for mobile hardware. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, what what lives up to the hype. None of it will. I don't. I don't expect to be like blown away by anything that that is announced. Okay. Yeah. Ever. I was a bit, so lazy there. But so what devices? Like the only device that even is even hyped is the iPhone six. It's the only one that actually has like a rumor mill or anything like that. So is is there are there even devices anymore that can sustain? Hype, or is it? You know, is our interest now based upon things like I'm? I'm way more excited to try a device that looks weird and reminds me of like 2006 when all the hardware manufacturers were just doing weird phones. Like Nokia, then, the Taco phone. Yeah. You know, yeah. Then, then, yeah. Then, like using a device I know is going to be good, but is essentially an evolution of what I've been yeah. using for years, right? So it's. I get what you were saying, Daniel, before about like. You know, you're from a very strongly analytical bent. Seeing it's interesting to see how these, you know, devices go into the market, how specific features are used. I'm just, I just want to like, if there were devices in a row, the first one that I would probably try is the Passport, just to feel it. Just yeah, to it's like, yeah, nobody, nobody wants to wear like the feather boa and the top hat outside, but it's like you're not gonna, you're drawn to it straight away, like the weird stuff. Like, it's not an everyday phone. It's like it's one of those weird like. See, that makes no sense to me. I would never want a phone that I would not want to use. I would want a phone that I could put in my pocket and rely on every day. Because that's what phones are for. They're not they're not sideshows. They're not they're not things I, that you that you look at, they're things that you use. That's the thing, they've become such a like they're, they're just a commodity now. Like you don't like it doesn't need yes. to be exciting or sexy, it just needs to do what you want it to do, and it's like I've gotten I've stopped hoping that someone's going to release something that doesn't look like the same candy bar, touch screen, like, form factor that I'm used to. And maybe, yeah, maybe, like, HTC did it where they have, like, you know, they have really nice build quality, but that's the most you, that's the most exciting thing you can hope for is, like, super sexy build quality, and otherwise it pretty much looks exactly the same as everything else. All right, so what I'm, what I'm hearing is that Jane is volunteering to use the BlackBerry Passport full-time. Oh, yeah, I'll do it. comes out. I'll do it, like, yeah, right, I'll do my great. year with the Passport if you want. <laughs> You heard it here first. Jane will be doing the review of the passport. 
Okay, so on that note, uh, we will... Uh, why, do, why does every podcast end with you assigning me some shitty job, like waiting at midnight at the Apple store or doing a review of like the BlackBerry Passport? Because that's, that's what you get yourself into when you... Uh, <laughs> You're going to have a very busy September, Jane. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You I'm going to go to the midnight launch with the Passport. Yeah, that, that would work. Document the iPhone 6 launch with the BlackBerry Passport. I think it has a 13-megapixel camera, so you should be fine. Yeah. So, Syrupcast listeners, if you want Jane to do these things, please leave a message in the comments. Don't encourage them. Oh, I'm going to encourage them. They don't, they yeah. don't have any interest in my well-being. <laughs> we love getting comments from the Syrupcast. Makes us feel special. Yep. All right. Thanks again, everybody, for listening in, if you got here. And we'll, uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right. Bye now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.